Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans, chapter 10. If you'll stand with me, please, as we read the Scripture tonight. I want to ask that no one would go in and out of the building. And if it's an emergency, I certainly understand that. But otherwise, I want you to just keep your place tonight so as not to disturb anyone listening. Romans, chapter 10, the Bible says in verse number 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Notice, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. He said, here's a group of folks I want so badly for them to be saved. I want Israel to be born again. I want them to be saved. He said, they're working hard to establish their own righteousness, and they don't recognize that Jesus has offered to them His righteousness, and they don't have to go about to establish their own righteousness, but all they have to do is believe, receive Christ, and they can have his righteousness. Verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever. It's almost like if, are you getting this, how simple this is? He keeps saying, for whosoever, whosoever will call, whosoever will believe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use the message tonight. Help us to see what is needed in our cities, in our states, and yea, Lord, in our nation tonight. I pray your will be accomplished in the preaching of this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Verse number 13, the Bible says plainly, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I was a five-year-old boy, Brother Clyde Jones, Jr. was the pastor of Bible Baptist Church, West 2nd Street, Xenia, Ohio. And I heard the gospel, and that morning as a five-year-old boy, I received Christ as my personal Savior. I believed on Him. The Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they answered him simply, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Jesus said Himself in John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Then there are three questions that are asked in verse number 14 and important ones at that. The first question is, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they going to call on Christ as Savior if they haven't believed on him to call on him? Second of all, the question is asked, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And then he asks the question, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Since the fall of man... God has used men to herald the redeeming truth of his mercy and grace. As we open the pages of the New Testament, we find John the Baptist is a preacher. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. John the Baptist was the forerunner of yet another preacher. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The next chapter, John chapter 4, or Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. Jesus then, in doing the will and business of the Father, called on other men to be preachers of the gospel. He called Peter. Peter was a preacher of the gospel. He was a preacher at Pentecost. He called Paul, Paul, a preacher to the Gentiles and the writer of the words that we read this evening. Paul commissioned Timothy and said to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. As a result of their preaching, as a result of their preaching, many heard. And as a result of their hearing, many believed. And as a result of their believing, multitudes were saved. Now, I want you to hear this statement. God is still calling men to preach today. I was reading just recently about Spurgeon and how God called him to preach as a teenager. Not as an older man, he called him to preach as a teenager. And as a teenager became one of the most well-known and widely heard preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, first of all, we've got to have some preachers of the gospel. If we have preachers, we have hearers. If we have hearers, we have believers. If we have believers, we have folks that are being saved. May I say to you tonight, God is still calling men and using the work of preaching. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
Last year, I was asked by my congressman to accompany him to a few meetings in Washington, D.C., and uh, some of the meetings we attended were called Faith and Freedom Meetings. One of the meetings that uh, I attended had about 40 uh, or 45 uh, they called them all ministers. I'm not sure that there were five of them that would uh, uh, be uh, preachers of the gospel. Nevertheless, they were men from around the nation. And Judge Ken Starr uh, was the speaker at uh, that meeting. Judge Ken Starr was uh, the judge that found uh, Bill Clinton guilty uh, enough to uh, uh, go about impeachment proceedings. That never happened. Uh, nevertheless, he's a very conservative judge and certainly a born-again man. He said in that room, he said, men, we have a serious problem in America uh, with the coming persecution of Christianity. He said, we already have. In many cases, young people are not allowed to pray uh, in school. They're not allowed to pray uh, at school graduations. And in some cases, they've gone so far as to take the words in the year of our Lord off of the uh, uh, diplomas, and they just put the date, and they're taking out every mention of our history and the fact that we were founded as a Christian nation. And then he said this, He said, if we have more gospel, we have more salvations. If we have more salvations, we have more freedom. He said, if we have less preachers, we have less uh, gospel, less uh, salvations, and we lose the freedom in America. Now, hear me well. The hope, are you listening to me? The hope for the freedom of America in the future for your lives and for your children rests upon not the powers that be in Congress. It rests upon men of God giving themselves to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more preachers, we have more gospel. For more gospel, we have more hearing. For more hearing, we have more believing. And we have folks saved as a result. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never force this nation to live immorality. It would not matter what laws we pass. It would not matter what the courts may say. We're not going to force America to be conservative or to live right. I'm telling you tonight, you hear me well. The only hope for the future of this nation is for young men to give their lives to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. America became a nation because of Bible preaching preachers. Our forefathers came to this country for the freedom to preach the Word of God. Continents have been changed, not through politics, but through Bible preaching. Cities have been changed, not because of the leadership of men, but because of Bible preaching. In 1969, my father was saved, but as a young man was out of the will of God. Our preacher there kept visiting my father on Thursday night to get him back in church. And I'm thankful that he was persistent because it was not easy to get him back in church. But he did go back. And uh, when he uh, went back, he made things right with God. Now, as uh, my dad got right with God, he got a burden for souls. I want you to understand something. There's something wrong with our walk with God if it does not give us a burden for souls. I want you to understand the whole chapter begins here, and not with preaching, but with a burden for people to get saved. You understand that? 
He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. But he said, How can they hear without a preacher? And so in 1969, my dad, when he got right with God, he got his shirt pocket full of tracks, and after work in the evenings, he would pick out a street, and he would go door to door, and he would give the gospel and win people to Christ. In a little over three years after that, God called my dad to preach. He left Xenia, Ohio, and he went back to the mountains of southeast Kentucky where my grandfathers and great-grandfathers lived and uh, for several generations back, and he founded the Bible Baptist Church of Hazard, Kentucky. My call to preach came simply from being surrendered to the will of God and seeing the need for people to be saved. My plans were to work for my father, but God called him to heaven. At the age of 40, God called me to preach because I had a desire for people to be saved. Since my call to preach, many have been saved. Many have been called to preach. A college has been founded to train preachers. And many churches have started as a result of a man's surrender to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you tonight, the high need of the hour is preaching preachers. The high need of the hour in America is men who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and build a church that fulfills the purpose of making disciples. Our job and our responsibility in the church is not that of drawing a crowd or getting a big crowd and just getting followers. I contend tonight that the purpose of the Great Commission is to produce disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. If you're a follower of Christ, you'll be fishers of men. And if you're not fishing for men, you're not following the same Christ that I'm following. And the need of the hour is the old-time Bible preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sociologists tell us that we need a better environment. And our government has listened to them, especially uh, since the 1940s. Since the 1940s, we've worked to change the environment where people live. As a result tonight, our nation is in debt $18 trillion trying to pay for these government programs to improve the environment. In the 1970s, the slum areas of America were torn down. High-rise apartments were built in their places. Playgrounds were built. Parks were built. Flowers were planted. And the government subsidized the rent. But it was not long until the buildings were trashed and garbage littered the street and crime increased everywhere. You know why? The problem in America is not the environment. The problem in America is sin. Ghettos do not bring sin. Sin brings the ghettos. Litter does not bring sin. Sin brings litter. Poverty does not bring sin. Sin brings poverty. Illiteracy does not bring sin. Sin brings illiteracy. The answer is not the changing of the environment and governmental programs. The answer is changing of men through the preaching of the Word of God. That's what America needs. You could do more to change this country than any congressman that sits in Congress tonight. You could do more to help change this country than any senator that sits in the Senate tonight. I'm telling you the need for the hour is not another politician. The need for the hour is not another sociologist or an environmentalist. The need for the hour is the preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need in America tonight. We didn't need the New Deal from Franklin Roosevelt. We needed preachers. We didn't need new society. We needed preachers. 
We didn't need the government programs of socialism. What we need is preachers. It's not the war on poverty. It's the war on sin we need. It's not say no to drugs. It's say no to the devil. It's no child left behind. It's every child receiving the gospel of Christ. It's not FEMA that America needs or NAFTA or, N- or the NC- NAACP or the ERA or the NWR or the M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-C. Uh, what America needs tonight is an old-fashioned preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ whose heart's desire is that his city may know Christ as Savior. Educators tell us that the great need of America is education. More money is spent on education, so-called, than any other government program. Every election cycle uses the theme of better education. However, it is an education that says there is no God. It says that evolution is true and the creation is a lie. They tell us that morals are not important and character is not required. I contend this evening that the need of America is not more of this kind of education, but it is a call of God on a young man's life to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What the need of the hour is, is for young men to fill his heart and mind with the truths of that precious book right there, from Genesis to Revelation, to learn from the law and the prophets and the poetry and the gospel and the acts and the church uh, uh, of the apostles. And the truth is tonight, uh, for young men to have a burden to see people saved. Oh, you listen, you see, the question is, how shall they hear without a preacher? You think Congress is going to tell us what the need is? Absolutely not. You think the president's going to tell us what the need is? He doesn't even know. Some of America's greatest leaders, statesmen, and men of God were men that grew up in poverty, could not afford to go to school, lived in bad environments, but they got a hold of the Word of God. God got a hold of them, filled them with the Spirit of God, And they impacted a nation. Bob Jones Sr. Lester Olof, who went to at once a Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing college at Baylor, and he went as poor as he could be. Jack Howells, raised by a mother whose father was a drunkard. Lee Robertson, who grew up on a hillside farm just across the river from Louisville in English, Indiana. But you know what would change this nation? It's for young men to get a hold of this book and get hungry for people to get saved and say the only hope for America is for people to get saved. But they can't get saved without the gospel. And they can't get the gospel unless somebody preaches the gospel. I'm telling you tonight, the need of the hour is for men to preach the Word of God. I love to read the story of Sam Jones. Sam Jones was a lawyer out of Alabama. He began to drink. He came to Kentucky and married a young lady in Kentucky. Her daddy didn't want him, want her to marry him. They convinced her father to let her marry Sam Jones. And alcohol took him to the bottom, and at the absolute bottom. One night he came to himself and he realized there's nothing in the bottle, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing that satisfies outside of being in the center of the will of God. 
I wish we tonight could look beyond the advertisements. They, 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 they show you Michael Jackson doing his thing. They don't show you the bed he laid in. They don't show you the filth of all the dogs that lived in his house. And it took days to clean it up before the cameras were allowed to come in. That's the reality of the sin. They show you the singing of Whitney Houston. They don't show you the overdose death of her and perhaps her daughter the same way. Thank God Sam Jones gave his life to God. And boy, I want to tell you something. He became an old-time gospel preacher. I read the story of a riverboat gambler by the name of Thomas Green Ryman. He was born south of Nashville in 1841. As a boy, he learned the ways of the river life by fishing alongside his father. When Ryman was 19 in 1860, he used the skills he had learned as a boy to support his mother and four siblings by fishing throughout the Civil War years. Although barely literate, he was a shrewd and industrious businessman with a fleet of 35 riverboats. By 1885, he owned what was referred to as the Ryman Line. Those 35 riverboats were used for gambling and the selling of booze and all of the wickedness that goes along with it. Sam Jones had become quite a popular preacher and folks were coming from everywhere to hear this man of God preach. And boy, when he preached against the evils of alcohol and gambling, and he knew that it took him to the bottom, it made old Ryman nervous. On May the 10th, 1885, at the age of 44, Ryman took some of his buddies, and they said, we're going to go to a Jones Tent Revival tonight, and we're going to raise a ruckus. Sam Jones mounted the pulpit and he raised the sawdust under the tent that night. And the Holy Spirit of God came down as the Word of God preached. And rather than raising a ruckus, God got a hold of Thomas Ryman and it broke his heart. And it wasn't long until he found his knees in the sawdust under that old tent and received Christ as his personal Savior. He pledged to construct a building large enough to hold everybody that wanted to hear Sam Jones and others, and they wouldn't have to sit under the heat of Nashville under a tent. The Union Gospel Tabernacle took seven years to build and $100,000. June 1st, 1892, Sam Jones preached in that new building, and he said, I believe for every dollar spent on this tabernacle, there'll be at least $10 saved in future court trials. Sam Jones declared this tabernacle is the best investment the city of Nashville ever made. Now, you may know of the Ryman Auditorium where they now sing their country music and a venue for all of that. But the history of that place was built because of an old-time gospel preacher that stood in the fear of no man and in the faith of a heavenly father filled with the Spirit of God. And he preached the gospel and Ryman got saved and hundreds and thousands came to Christ. You know why? Not because of a congressman or a city councilman and I'm not making 
light of them, but the need of the hour tonight is not another city councilman. The need of the hour tonight is not another congressman or a senator. I'm glad for all of them that are saved, but there's not as much hope in that place as there are in a thimble. The hope for America tonight is the preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to change this country. It wasn't a lecture that got the job done. It was a preaching of the gospel. It wasn't a speech or a talk behind an acrylic feminine lectern with an overhead video playing some cute little video to get the job done. It was spirit-filled Bible preaching that got the job done. Can I tell you something? When Babe Ruth got up to bat, they got out their filled glasses. They didn't want to look at a screen if they'd have had one. They wanted to see the babe swing. And now you can't get an auditorium over 300 without putting up some kind of a video screen. And, of course, the difference is we don't have many Babe Ruths in the pulpit either. If we had a few in the pulpit, you wouldn't want to watch the video screen. You'd want to hear the preaching of the man of God. We don't need more conservative talk radio hosts. We need preachers. We don't need more deep and dry devotionals from dead theologians. We need preachers. We don't need emergent church books. We need preachers. There's nothing new that you need to read tonight. There's nothing in the emergent church that has anything for the old time gospel. They're out for the marketing of people. And I want to tell you something. It is a crying shame that we have fellows tonight calling themselves fundamental Baptists and recommending to young men and old men alike books from the emergent church, uh, from the saddleback pastor. Hey, hey, listen to me tonight. Check out who Lance Witt is. Check him out. The executive pastor of Saddleback Church. The executive pastor of Saddleback Church. We got fundamental Baptist preachers tonight recommending Lance Witt and his books. You, you, you say, well, he's probably got some good ideas. Hey, there's two or three pieces of pizza left over from last night out there in the dumpster if it interests anybody tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to the dumpster to get my supper tonight. I'm going to go home and get a hug and a hamburger from Mama tonight. I'm going to go to a clean kitchen. Why do I want to read a book that's not so bad when I have a book that's perfect and wide and holy? I'm telling you something tonight. It's not a blog that we need. It's a preacher that we need. It's not a new idea that we need. It's a new preacher preaching the old ideas. That's what we need. Philip went into Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And the Bible said he went in preaching. And the result of that was there was joy in that city. Billy Sunday was recruited to play baseball for the Chicago White Stockings, later to become known as the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox and... Who's the fellow I mentioned a while ago? Michael Jackson. You know what they have in common? They both wear a glove on their left hand for no apparent reason. Anyway. Anyway. On a Sunday afternoon during the 1886 baseball season, Billy Sunday and his teammates had left their rented room where they'd been drinking booze and they went to wander the streets of Chicago on their day off. At one corner, they stopped to listen to a little old fella preaching. 
He'd been saved at the Pacific Garden Mission. He just went out on the street corner. And he began to preach all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. But whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. A group of folks from the Pacific Garden Mission, they began to sing good gospel songs. The baseball players, they mocked. Some stood and they, they watched and they made fun. But Billy Sunday remembered a mama that sang those songs when he was just a little boy. They were so poor, she couldn't feed him and she put him in an orphanage. And Billy Sunday stood there and he listened to that simple gospel preacher. And God arrested his heart. And Billy Sunday became one of the great revivalists of that day. They came by the hundreds and the thousands. And dear friend, we know the name Billy Sunday. I don't know the name of that young fellow that was standing there and preaching that night. Ah, but when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, I imagine when Billy Sunday comes forward to get his rewards, everybody will shout and cheer. And then someone in heaven will say, Now I'd like to introduce the preacher that was preaching on the corner the night that Billy Sunday got under a conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and got saved and became a gospel preacher. Hey, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out who the heroes are. The heroes is not just a man that you may see some success in this world. The hero is a man of God, the young man and the young lady that finds the will of God and they do it for their life. Don't count rewards. Rewards here. When we get to heaven, we'll count the rewards. But I declare unto you tonight, dear friend, what we need are preachers. I've heard the voice of Billy Sunday, and he would say, Listen, I'm against sin. I'll kick it as long as I've got a foot. I'll fight it as long as I've got a fist. I'll butt it as long as I've got a head, and I'll bite it as long as I've got a tooth. And when I'm old and fistless and footless and toothless, I'll gum it until I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. What a preacher. The question, though, in verse number 14 is how? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I can't call you to preach, and I don't want to try to. I just want you to know what the need is. I don't want to persuade you to preach. I just want you to know what the need is. You see, if war broke out in America tonight, no doubt there would be a call. And, and there have been in recent years. And young men have said, I'll go. I want to fight for my country. I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to die for the freedom of my nation. And I'm glad for that. But I want you to know tonight, there is a war on. And the devil is taking young people and adults by the multiplied thousands and millions to a devil's hell for all eternity. And they'll never. I said they'll never, when they get to hell, be able to get out. And the only thing that's going to make a difference is if somebody says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is they, they, they might be saved. 
If I bear them record that they have a knowledge of God, but not according to knowledge. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Personally, for me, for Jeff Fugit, I saw a need. I had to do something with my life. God gave me a burden to do something about that need. I began to read the Bible. I began to pray for the power of God. As I read the book, and as I hungered for the power of God and I was obedient to the commands, I began to witness folks got saved. We were going home from a teen activity and I said to the fellow beside me, his name was Elvis. His middle name was Presley. You can go ahead and start the rumor. Brother Fugit said tonight that he led Elvis Presley to Christ. And it won't be a rumor, it's a truth. The only thing is his last name was Campbell. I said, Elvis, you know for sure going to heaven when you die? He said, no. I said, you want to be saved? He said, I do. He got saved on the bus going home for an activity. Glory to God, something happened in my soul. I mean, it was the 4th of July in my heart. I mean, it was Independence Day. I mean, it was happy, happy. I mean, I'm telling you, dear friend, uh, there was something. I said, boy, this is good. And I went on my bus route on Saturday, and I started winning people to Christ. I started feeling my bus route because my heart's desire and prayer to God for that bus route was that they might be saved. And God helped us to fill that route, and we won many to Christ. I'm telling you tonight, there's a need. I just want you to know there's a need. I just want you to know there's a need. There couldn't be anything more wonderful to give you life doing than telling folks about Christ. Would you stand with me tonight? I wonder tonight in your town, in your city where you are, I wonder how many folks are not saved. Can you say with Paul, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they might be saved. The problem is, how can they believe until they hear? And how can they hear without a preacher? God may not call everyone to pastor, but everybody ought to be a preacher and a giver of the gospel of Christ. Oh, Heavenly Father, our country's in trouble tonight. When we turn on Fox News like we're going to find something that's been done to change it, but we're not going to find it there. And I'm not tonight against government. I support those men and those folk that claim to be born again and conservative, and I'm thankful for that and But, Lord, if we don't use the freedom we have to preach the gospel, our country's gone. Our children are not going to know the freedom we've enjoyed. And, Lord, I don't know how serious we take that tonight, but it's the truth. There are those tonight that want to close the mouth of this preacher. I don't know how many of them listened to me on Sunday night so they could send me an email 
Or they could write some critical article or blog or letter. But dear, friend, dear, dear, dear Lord, we need to know tonight the need to have burden for folks to be saved. 